0: gonna be out of uh, Psalms 15. I have a lot of scriptures. I have a lot of scriptures for us this morning. Um, and we're gonna read out of Psalms 15. And what's really interesting about this scripture is uh, in this chapter is that David he's coming from a whole nother perspective. He's coming from a whole you know if you, you read through the scriptures you read through the Psalms. It's like David. He's 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 in a time of lamenting. He's in a time of intercession. He's a time of declaring. You know, it's like a, a time of rescue. It's, it's an outcry. Um, it's in a time of war. Right. He's in all these times. Um, you know, overcoming his enemies. So, but in in, in chapter fifteen, it kind of shifts a little bit. It shifts a little bit. So. What we're going to do is we're going to kind of dig into that just a little bit because there's only like five verses in chapter 15. But like this five verses is so deep that we would spend probably a couple months in it. And There's just no way we could even, so there's going to be a lot that's going to be here and you might be getting all kinds of different perspectives and you're going to be going to get nuggets and I encourage you to dig into those Nuggets. Go in there and dig in and, and, and tell me what you see. Because th- this is what what, what it's going to be for you. Um, so on your time, I want you to go and read into that. But in Psalms 15, we see David, he's asking the Lord a question. He starts off and he asks the Lord a question. And it's a very, very, I mean, it's a serious question that he asks. Have you ever asked the Lord just, like, have you ever asked the Lord a question? And usually my questions are... <laughs> Why, God? <laughs> That's usually a big question. We're like, why? Really? Why? <laughs> you know, why? But it's a really, he asked the Lord a, a real, in, it's, a, it's a weighty question of the Lord. And it's a concerning of what it looks like to be a citizen of heaven. But he doesn't understand what that is yet. And we're going to go through that, Okay. Because, see, we look at this, as it's written, obviously, it's Old Testament. You know, it, it's not, you know, Jesus hasn't come yet. So, you know, in that time, it's type shadows and pictures. Then Jesus comes, and the veil is torn, and we get access because of the finished work of the cross. So it's a different time, and it's a different perspective. So what I want to do is I want to give us a kingdom lens on looking at this, and what exactly did it mean, and how is it relevant for us today? How is it relevant for us today? So this morning, if I'm going to have a title for the message, I'm going to call it The Blameless Character of the One Who Knows God. The Blameless Character of the One Who Knows God. I'm going to be reading out of two different translations. I'm going to read out of the New King James Version, and then I'm going to read out of the Passion, because out of the Passion, it gives us a a deeper, intimate look into what it is that the Scripture is saying. So we're going to start off in verse 1 on New King James. And it says, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? This is the question. This is what what David's asking. He says, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? And then something happens in verse 2. I believe, and let's talk about this, this, is really, really awesome. Because, you know, we're supposed to have the mind of the Lord, right? The mind of God, the mind of Christ is in us. And if we have the mind of Christ, that means we think how he thinks, and we speak how he speaks. But he asks a question to the Lord here, and he says, Who may abide in the, tabernacle of, uh, in the tabernacle? And he says, Who may dwell in the holy hill? And then verse 2 says, He who walks uprightly and works righteousness. It's almost as if when he asks the question, it's like the audible voice of the Lord begins to speak to David, and he answers the question right after he asked it. He like, like, you can see him, who? And then it says, he who walks uprightly. And then it says, and works righteousness. Now that word works, I want I want to I have it I mark it purple because I want you to hear because I don't want you to hear what we're what, what I'm not saying meaning I don't want you to think of that word works as you're having to do something to get something because we're not about works, Jesus finished it. There's nothing that you and I can do that will gain our righteousness. We are made right because of what Jesus did. Simple, done, it's finished. So it says here. Uh, It says that he who walks uprightly and works the righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up reproach against his friend and whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his own money at usury. Nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Okay. So now I want to read this in the Passion. The Passion reads it as, Lord, who, dwell, who dares... To dwell with you. And then it says, who presumes the privilege of being so close to you? Living next to you in your shining place of glory. Like he's saying, who, who, who gets access to this? Because we, we think about the tabernacle. We think about what, what, what David is saying. Inside the tabernacle is where the ark laid, and the ark was, was a representation of the presence of God, and whenever the, mark, the ark moved, the people followed the ark because they followed the presence, and if they could get into the place, the, the ark of the covenant where inside the tabernacle was a place where people would come to meet God, so it's a meeting place for God. So let me read this again. Who, do, who dares to dwell with you? Who presumes the privilege of being so close? Like, who gets that opportunity, God? Who gets the privilege to be so close to you? Living next to you in the shiny place of the glory? It says, Who are those? who will daily dwell in the life of the Holy Spirit. And then here comes the answer, right? This is the Lord answering it. But you got to think like, I want, oh, hey. It's like the mind's eye of David where he asked the question. That blows me away. Like just to think about it, like he asked a question and it's like he hears the voice of the Lord. It's like, well, what is 2 plus 2? Two? Well, it's 4. You know, It's just common knowledge. We know those things. So he asked a revelatory question, and he had, the, he had the answer because he had the mind of Christ. Amen. So then we go into part 2. He says, uh, verse 2, they are passionate. So now he gives a picture. He answers him, and he says, they are passionate, and they are wholehearted. Always sincere, and they're always speaking the truth, for their hearts are trustworthy. See, the Lord's giving a picture of what it looks like to dwell with him in his house. They refuse to slander or insult others. They'll never listen to gossip or rumors. Come on, man nor would they ever harm another with their words. And then verse 4 says, They will speak out passionately, right? That's passionately, against evil and evil workers, while commending the faithful ones who follow after truth. They will make firm their commitments, and they will follow through even at great cost. And then verse 5. They never crush others with exploitation or abuse. And they would never be bought with a bribe against the innocent. They will never be shaken. They will stand firm forever. Those that dwell in that place with the Lord will never be shaken. Come on, that's key. We got to... Are we there yet? Not yet. But we're getting there. Amen. So I believe what this is saying, that the, the Lord is asking a question. And he's aiming to prepare the people of God, the people of Lord, how they can dwell in the sanctuary of the Lord. And then it says, who may live in the holy hill? Now in this scripture, it's talking about a holy hill. There is an actual location where they're making reference to in the holy hill. And, you know, this is, this is obviously before the temple. So this is during the time of the tabernacle. But we see the holy hill was going to be in Zion. But, but I believe in this, in, in this instance here, and, and you guys can go and you can talk to me about this afterwards. But I want you to dig into it. But I believe this right here is a reference in a picture to If we look from a kingdom perspective, it's that place in the heavenlies. Yeah. It's referring to the glory, the realms you know it's 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 heaven. you see the ark was inside the tabernacle, and wherever it went, the presence of God went. We read in verse one, it refers to the dwelling place as the sanctuary, and that's the holy city and I believe that's what that's a picture of what heaven looks like so now. In verse 1, David begins to meditate, and I want you to hear this. He begins to meditate on verse, and this is what he says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in the holy city? What we have here is a picture of close fellowship of man with God. It's with man with God. He is talking about abiding in the tabernacle and dwelling in a hill. That's talking about the closeness of with the Lord, being close to being knitted, to abide and We hear that scripture: abide in you, and I'll abide. You know, it's about the abiding, the, the, it's the it's the, the 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 tapestry of love that's being woven together, that we become one. That's so the closest of the Lord. The tabernacle was a physical place. It was a literal tent. And it housed the Ark of the Covenant. There was an altar. There was a table. The candlestick. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff. That tell me you, I mean, listen, we, that's deep. We can get into a whole lot with that. But it was a place where the Lord would meet his people. He would meet the people. Now listen. You and I are walking tents. You're a walking tent. You are a container of the presence of God. It is inside of you. That veil's been ripped. You don't got to go to a physical location to go into a place and do all these things and rituals and wash your hands. No, it is inside of you. You are a container of the presence of God. It's a place of communion. People would go and they would commune with God. Guess what? You are a communion with God that people will be drawn to you. Why? Because you are like a representation of the ark. Everywhere you move, people will follow because of the presence that's inside of you. The tabernacle was the place where people went to experience the Lord. They went in there to experience the presence of God. You will be an experience for people that don't know the Lord. You will be an experience. Let me tell you what. There's a dying generation right now waiting to encounter the love of God. And you and I are those vessels that the Lord wants to use to introduce Jesus to that dying generation. So, David asked this question as to who will dwell with the Lord. But really what he's asking is this. He's asking, who knows the Lord? Who knows the Lord? And he asked the question, who knows the Lord himself? Because see, to know God is to know his nature and to know his character. And if you want to be in the place of the dwelling place in the presence of the Lord, you have to know the nature and the character of God. You see, we've got we're, man, Lord Jesus, I don't want to go that. Okay, hold on. Okay, Holy Spirit, we we have in the time that we live in right now. There's a there is a fake gospel that's out there, and this gospel will tell you you can do what you want, when you want, how you want to do it. You can have it your way. This ain't Burger King. Come on. Come on. You see, and I believe what he's saying here, what the Lord is saying in this, in this psalm, he's given us a list. He's given us a criteria for us to look at, to follow. Now, we, we don't look at this list as legalistic or look at it like, okay, this is what we need to do to get to heaven. No, that's not what I'm saying. But when you come to know the Lord, you know, we get to, I know I'm getting ahead of myself. We come, hold on, let me slow down. Holy Spirit. In Psalms 15, we see the response to the question. David wasn't asking who as to the names of individuals he wasn't saying, "Well, is, is Pete going to be there? Is, is Pastor Jeff going to be there?" He was asking, "What kind of people will be there? Like who are they?" Like like why? and, and, and it's so deep listen it, it's so deep if you if you just take a moment to think about it, David a man after God's heart. You, you know, he's like, he's, he's in love with the Lord. His whole life is like, oh Lord, <laughs> where are you, God? He cries out to the Lord, but he's asking what kind of people will know the Lord? And then he says, what are they like, God? Like, what, what do they look like? You know, what, what do they do? Like, what makes him so special that they can abide with you, that they can dwell with you in the presence? Why? What do they think, God? What categorizes a person who knows God? It's important that we view and read Psalms 15 from a kingdom perspective. As a matter of fact, when I began to kind of look it up, when you read this, and then if you go, if you dare to read any kind of commentary on this, it's judgment. It's legalistic. When you have a different filter of the love of God. And as a matter of fact, Psalms 15 is, is a chapter that most pastors and preachers, they say they try to stay away from because it just they say it's just not worth the headache. It's crazy. I read several articles. I said, why? But we got to come from a kingdom perspective. And we cannot get caught up with the legalism or religion. In fact, we must choose to stay away from min- uh, many, was, oh yeah, many stay away from ministering on this topic. Because see, with the wrong understanding, it gives us a perspective of a works mentality that I have to do something to get something, that I have to be a certain way, that if I don't, miss, if I don't meet this criteria, that God's going to be angry with me and I won't be able to get in to heaven. Psalms 15 insists that there are some God-made requirements for those who will dwell and live in God's presence and that we should be able to come in as we are. That's the way the Lord says, come as you are. And that's why this can be kind of legalistic because if you don't feel you meet this criteria, then a lot of times it'll push people away. Oh, I don't fit that. But the truth is this, in the kingdom, he says, Come as you are, like, like messing all. I'll take you. The Lord says, I will take you exactly how you are. But this is the key. You come in that way, but you don't stay that way. That's the difference. And the fake gospel that I'm talking about is... There's a message out there that says you can do what you want. You can live a lifestyle of homosexuality. You can live a lifestyle of fornication, living out of sin, living in addictions, doing all these different things, and you are okay with God. Yeah, Jesus loves you. He absolutely loves you. But you cannot stay in that place that you come in. His grace and there's mercy But let me tell you what, there is a literal place called hell. And I'm not that guy that preaches fire and bread. I'm not that guy. Listen, I'm all about the love of the Father. And I'll tell you what, but we need to have a foundation of truth to know that, listen, if you live a life conducive of sin, then you will reap what you sow. It's just truth. It's not do what you want. Oh, you'll be okay. I'm homosexual, but, but God loves me. He knows my heart. Yeah, he does know your heart. And he knows that's not how you were created. That's right. See, the love of God will lead us to repentance. And that's why I love the story that, that our sister Diane shared because I've seen the growth. And her walk with the Lord from the first day that I met her. And if I, and I'm not trying to put her on the spot at all. But, but I kind of am. <laughs> because I've seen the growth in her. And I've seen how her evangelism has changed. I've seen how her eyes have been opened to the love of God. And that she can be loved to a generation. And they will see Jesus in that. You see the love of the Lord leads to repentance. I know, listen, we grew up with that Bible thumping, boy. Oh, you're going to burn in hell. Oh, you liars. Man, I know it. I know it. Religion's a son of a gun. Woo. Right? The love of God leads us to repentance. Jesus died on the cross. And on that day, he took all the sins of humanity. Everything to the cross with him that day. And there's nothing that anybody can do that will ever separate. I don't care what kind of addictions. I don't care what kind of homosexual lifestyles, what kind of how they're living. There is nothing that will separate them from the love of God. They are a son and a daughter. They just don't know it yet. That's it. And I'm telling you what, we're, the Lord is awakening us All of righteousness, the righteousness of, man, I know y'all hear me say it. I mean, it, it's scriptural. But all the righteousness of heaven is imputed into you and I. And it's beautiful. That means that we are now made in right standings. When, when the Father looks at us, he says, righteous. He sees the blood. He sees nothing else. Oh, that's my son. Oh, that's my daughter. He doesn't look like, oh, that one's a, that's a he's addicted to this. Or oh, No, he's said, like, man, that's my son and my daughter. You're struggling right now, but you know you're going to get back up. That's right. Because I have a purpose and a call and a destiny for your life. That's, right. you that's what the Lord says. Yeah. You know you said it you it. It's the imputed righteousness. Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians, I'm going to give a couple of scriptures. If you're writing it down, I'm just going to go through it really quick. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteous of God in him. You are the righteousness of God here on earth. I remember my pastor used to get me on that. man. You say, How many of you in here feel you're as righteous as Jesus? i am say, oh, oh, no, I could never be as righteous as God. It's a trick question. <laughs> you are. Right. The righteousness of heaven is inside of you. Philippians 3 9 says, And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is. Of God by faith. Isaiah 53 11 says that he shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by knowing not by the knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Galatians 2:16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. We are not talking about works. Nothing you do will get you access. So even this criteria that we see David talking about, it's not about what you have to do. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins and his own body on a tree that we being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes we were healed. How many of you have been feeling sick lately? By his stripes we are healed. Amen. Romans 1.17 says this, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, The just shall live by faith. And I'm not going to read these. I'm just going to give them to you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.30. And then Romans 4.3. And then Jeremiah 23.6. I'm going to read that one. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called the Lord Our righteousness. (laughs) Shaka-bam. Holy Ghost. So now let's look at verse 2 really quick, okay? Verse 2, Psalms 15. He says, he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness. So we are told how this man walks and how he works. Again, works is not meaning what you do to get. Rather, he walks uprightly. This uprightness is the same thing that Noah possessed in his time. In Genesis 6 9, we're told that Noah was a righteous man. He was a righteous man. It reads this this is the genealogy of Noah. And uh, this is out of Genesis 6 9. Uh, it says, this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. So we look at verse 2. He walketh upright. I want you to capture with your spirit. What does it look like to dwell in a secret? What does it look like to dwell in that place, Lord? What do they look like? What do they think? And here we see he walks uprightly. See, Noah was a friend of God. So you want to know what it looks like to dwell in that place with the Lord? It's to be a friend of God. To be a friend of God. God walks with his friends, right? You see Adam and Eve in the garden. He walked in the cool of the day. You see, Noah, he walked with Noah. And then we see in Genesis 5:23, and to so all the days of Enoch, there were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not. For God took him. There was a glory on Enoch, but he didn't die. He would have died. God had to take him because he would have lived to be forever. He would have never died because of the glory that was on his life. That's what it looks like to be a friend of God. Isn't that awesome? We sing that song so loosely. I am a friend of God. Come on. (laughs) Hey, hey, hey. Come on, Jesus. Noah was blameless, And no fault could be found in him. And we were told that he walked with God. And see, the fact that this man walked with God, this part walk, and we think of the the word uh, works. Works in this, it would mean he practiced what he did. And even that word practice, it can, it can sound like, well, you're still doing something. But he practiced being in the presence. Everything that he did, he worked through the righteousness. That's what this is talking about. He practiced dwelling in that place with the Lord. Spending time with the Lord. It's an indication that this is something that he did all the time. He did it constantly. He habitually was upright. His practice was to be sincere, honest, and blameless. Not perfect, but blameless like Noah. And how do we get to that place? Lord, is there anything in me? Is there anything in me, God? That's right. Burn it, God. Get rid of it. Remove it from my life. Lord, let there be nothing that can be found in me, God. I'm not perfect, but I'll be blameless. Just like Noah, because Noah was a friend of God. So we're talking about what does it look like to walk in that place, to be in a dwelling place of Psalms 15? He works his righteousness. He practiced his righteousness. How do you you practice being righteous? You live it. You, You speak it. How do you speak it? I'm a son. Right? Everything that we do comes from a place of a kingdom understanding. Who is God? He is love. Who am I? I'm a son. I'm a daughter. Yes. What have I been given? An inheritance of the kingdom of heaven. Now we get to spend our inheritance. What are we doing with what we've been given? That's why we have the four pillars here. And it's so, it's so vital. We get to live in that place of walking with God. That's what it looks like to practice our righteousness. Like you're just walking like, hey, Papa. Hey. Because we're dwelling. We're abiding together. It's like we gotta, he's got my hand and we're, we're walking up and down the aisles and, and we're one. There's no separation because there could be nothing that can be found. Because I'm blameless in the eyes of the Lord. It's the friends of God. So the Lord says, come as you are. And I know this may sound harsh when I say this. Yes, come as you are. But you can't stay there. We have to clean up our act. I don't know about you, but it's beautiful when you have a brand new baby, a newborn baby. It's a beautiful thing. But you cannot wait until they stop pooping in their pamper. (laughs) That's why when that baby goes to the toilet for the first time, the mom and dad rejoice, like, Yeah. That's right. (laughs) We gotta clean up our act. Meaning we can't continue to live a life conducive of sinful behaviors. Even in our thoughts, listen, even our thoughts can bring us to a place of living in sin. Anything that you believe that is contrary to what the Lord says about you is a sin. Now, listen, I'm not trying to say be sin conscious. But what I'm saying is we got to recognize what we believe because when we begin to believe the lies and the whispers of the enemy, then we begin to give it access, and the access gives it authority. And therefore, we go through things, and we're going through warfare, spiritual warfare that was never intended for us because we gave access to the thought. Sin will do that. Sin just needs a thought. I'm no good enough. My husband doesn't love me, my wife doesn't love me, I'm a failure. Those are lies of the enemy. And that you know when you agree with it, you're living you're living in a sinful mindset, because it's contrary to what the Lord says about you. Because that's not who you are. See, conversion is simple. When we come to the Lord, conversion's like, you know, I mean, it, it takes a little bit for us to take that step and we give that's the simple part. Jesus finished it. It's there. The difficult part is the discipleship. Because many of us don't want to submit ourselves to the Lord. I was, I was pondering this thought the other day. Like, why do people still, people that are saved their whole life, why do they still struggle in areas of their life where they beat themselves up in? For example, I'm just, just going to give random things. Let's, say, let's just say uh, uh, lustful thoughts or, 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 or uh, addictions or whatever that may look like. Why do we still battle those areas? Why do they have such a a hold on us? And the Lord says, it's because. The main thing is, is because if you show me that sin and you show me that in a person's life, chances are they have a prayerless walk with the Lord. Because if you're not grounded in your prayer and your intercession, you're not able to withstand the fiery dots of the enemy, the darts of the enemy. Well, why am I battling this? Well, are you in intercession? How much time are you spending with the Lord? Are you only spending time with God on Sunday mornings? Is that the only time you're 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 doing with the Lord is Sunday and maybe a Thursday night? See, we're talking about living a life practicing. Practicing a, a life of living in a dwelling place with the Lord. That means every day from the moment you wake up and you open your eyes and say, like, Good morning, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Holy Spirit. And you're speaking to the Lord and you're in that place of thanksgiving. And I'm going to tell you what, when you're in that place of intercession and you're in that place of thanksgiving the devil can find nothing in you because you're so full. Discipleship requires intentionality. And I will tell you what, when you're in love with somebody or something, that comes easy. If you find discipleship being hard, maybe you need to return back to our first love. Listen, this is not a a message of condemnation by any means. This is a self-evaluation for myself when I say this. If I'm struggling in areas, I say, Lord, take me back where I need to get back on track. Because I'm no good to myself or to my family if I'm still struggling in areas of my whole life. Lord, I'm not perfect, God. But I want to be a friend that when you see me, I'm a friend of God. You know, Man, that's special. That's special. And, you know, it's okay for us to have problems. We get to, we get to, we get to minister, but we, in our weakness, he is strong. So it's okay to have areas where you struggle. But don't stay in the struggle. Many of us want to stay in the struggle. And you know what that means? I'm just going to give you a picture of what that looks like. You're literally having lunch with the demons. That same demon that's trying to tear your family apart. You're sharing a hamburger with, man. And then you're wondering why your family's falling apart. You're wondering why your relationship with the Lord? You're wondering why you're not seeing a move of God in our lives? We've got to get intentional with the Lord. Because he's asking, who? If we know God's character, he's giving us an outline. What does it look like to dwell? I believe David was so in love with the Lord That all he wanted to do was know what it was like. I think about, I put my, I mean, I try to picture like if I'm watching in a movie or like David was there and he's just so madly in love with the Lord. And he's like, Lord, I just want to know what is it like to be in that place to dwell with you. And he's like, whatever it takes, God, I just want to be there. I just want to be in that place. Tell me how, God. Tell me who. Tell me what I need to do. Like, what do they look like? What kind of people are they? Am I that kind of a person? God, do I meet the qualification? He starts self-evaluating himself. God, what do I need to fix in my life? We know God, we know his character, we know his nature, and we also know his heart for us. And that his thoughts for us are good. Yeah. Whew, Jesus. Let's look at verse 3. Praise God there's only five verses on this. Uh-huh. I can already see Pastor Jeff on this. He'll turn this into like a 16-week course. (laughs) Praise God. I'm so thankful for the teachers in the house. We need the teachers. We need the pastors. We need the evangelists. We need the prophets. We need the apostles. Every one of them matters so much in the kingdom. So we look at verse 3. It says, and he speaketh the truth in his heart. And it says, he that backbiddeth, not with his tongue. That's King James for your backbiddeth. So we see here that the positive and negative of our authority in what we speak. A person who truly knows God will speak truth in love. Listen, those who know God. Will be a sounding board for heaven. You will be a sounding board for heaven to declare what heaven is speaking in that moment. You are sounding boards. You don't think about sounding boards. We have a soundboard back there, and it's so complex that all I know is up and down. That's it. But you can change the frequency. And you can hit a certain pitches and certain, I'm telling you what, there is a sound of heaven that is being released for the frequency of heaven that is only tuned for the ears of the bride. Man, oh man. Every person who truly knows God will speak truth as a practice. That means... Constantly be speaking what, the, what heaven says. Constantly be declaring over your finances. What does heaven declare about your finances? What does heaven speak about your marriage? What does heaven speak about your job? What does heaven speak? That is what you practice. And I, again, the word practice feels like works, but that's not what I'm saying. When I, okay, I'm just going that word. Those on camera. Those that live in that place, or are changing practice to live. Live in that place. Because when you live in that place, you only know what you live in. <laughs> Sorry, my wife sends me messages here. But knowing God's truth and living in it are two different things. Living it builds confidence daily. And knowing his truth is our tangible reality. Knowing his truth, it becomes tangible. It's tangible. To live with Christ, we must develop the character traits listed in Psalms 15. I'm almost closing up here, so just a few more minutes. What time is it? These are elements of living a blameless life. And we can almost place these four elements in four categories. If you're writing this down, number one, if we look at chapter uh, verse one, it talks about personal character. Doing what is right. Speaking the truth and keeping one's word. You want to know what it looks like to dwell with the Lord? Well, what's your character look like? If people see you and you profess to be a believer of the Lord, what character are you exhibiting to those around you? What can people say about you? Not the people at church, the people who don't know you from church. Right. On, Ephesians four fifteen says, "But speak it, the truth and love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, head Christ, from whom the whole body is joined, knitted together by every joint supplies according to the effective working by which." Every part does. It shares, causes growth of the body and edifying of itself in love. Number two, how do you love? Dwelling in that place with the Lord is how do you love others around you? No slander, no evil done to friends, no discrediting your neighbors, no gossip. Right? No gossip. Did you hear what Pastor Pete said the other day? I don't know, but I think he was off his rocker. I know. I think they've been going through some things. Really? Listen, I'm just going to say, no gossip. And I give everybody permission in this house. If you hear somebody gossiping, kingdom correction, say, hey, that's not kingdom. That's right, what it's not kingdom. <laughs> that's, well, that, that's gossip. in a sneaky way. How, how, do they, how, do, how do they do that? They're like, "Oh, we need to keep sister so-and-so in prayer. Yeah, her daughter's doing this, so-and-so's pregnant, and yeah, 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 oh, yeah, addicted to drugs, yeah, we really got to keep her in prayer. That's not edifying. That's not a prayer request. That's a moment to slander and gossip, a person. So we have to love each other. Number three, we have to keep an attitude of holiness, rejecting the wicked and honoring those who fear God. Proverbs one seven says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise the wisdom and instruction." 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His and everyone's names and the names of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Stay away from those things. Listen, that's a whole message in itself. You want to find out what's wickedness in the eyes of the Lord? Go look up. Look it up in the Word. I'm not going to get into that today. Number four, economic discretion. No risky investments allowing money to cloud someone's judgment. Money is the root of all evil, man. The love of money. Here you go. There you go. The love of money. Yeah, money's not the root. It's the love of money. That's right. Come on, see I, see, I get excited too. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> First, uh, First Timothy 6.10 says, "For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows." I'm telling you. Whew. A whole not- Jesus, we can go all kinds of places. I believe this morning there's an invitation from the Lord to bring us back to his intimacy. Some of us have gotten away from knowing who God is and what his character is. And I don't think we've done it on purpose. But we've allowed ourselves to get away from that place of knowing what his nature looks like. So I'm going to read, and I'm going to close with this. And this is going to come out of nowhere, but for whatever reason, the Lord told me to read this, so I'm going to read it. I'm going to read out of Matthew 5 and verse 3 through 12. And it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you and falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great, in heaven for so men persecuted the prophets who were before you let's stand Father we just thank you Lord and even now Lord I just thank you Lord that you're giving us an invitation today Lord even to self-evaluate ourselves, God. But what does it look like? Lord, do, do, am, am, am I that person? Lord, begin to show us the areas where, where we, we need help, God. Lord, even now, I just pray that, that you would begin to highlight areas in our own lives, God, where we have fallen short Lord, you say that your mercies are new every morning. Lord, you say that, that, that the righteous man falls, but he gets right back up, God. So right now, Lord, we just want to dwell with you in that place, Lord. And whatever there is in our lives, God, right now, we ask that you remove it. Whatever blockage is coming whatever hindrance would try to come to stop us from dwelling in that place, whether it's our mind, whether it's our thoughts, God, whether it's agreement that we've given access to the enemy, God, right now, we come against every plan of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus. And I speak freedom in our mind. Jesus, freedom in our mind that no weapon formed against us will prosper, God. You have called us for such a time as this, God, right now. Lord, right now, we just thank you, Father. And just like David, we ask, Lord, we ask, Lord, what does it look like? Search my heart, Lord. Search our hearts right now, Lord. And begin to reveal to us, Lord. Reveal to us, Lord. And right there where you're at, as you begin to pray that prayer, just begin to just, just say it in your head. And then just give it to the Lord. If you need to repent, repent. It's the love of the Lord that leads you to repent, it's not the message, it's his love. Right now. It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. It doesn't matter what happened the week before. Maybe you're watching right now this is your first time. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday, the week before. His mercies are new every morning. All you have to do is cry out and just say, here I am. I don't want to live like this no more. I don't want to live in this place of being sad or, or depressed or angry or bitter. I don't want no more of that. created me a clean heart, God. Lord, we want to be your friend. We want to dwell with you in that place, Lord. We want to walk with you in the cool of the day, Father. And we declare right now, God, that heaven's reality will become our reality. And we will begin to see and we will begin to hear what heaven is speaking right now. And Lord, as we leave this day, Lord, that we will leave not the way we came in, but we will leave encouraged, we will leave leave filled and renewed. Today's a brand new day. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.